MPB Think Radio. This is Southern Remedy for Women, the show all about addressing issues of health and wellness from a woman's perspective. I'm Karen Brown with Dr. Michelle Owens, specialist in maternal fetal medicine and OBGYN at UMMC and surgical pathologist, Dr. Allie Brown. If pollen is getting up your nose and down your throat and in your eyes and you can barely stand it, this is the show for you. Dr. Lindsay McMullen from UMMC is here with her expertise on how to tackle the symptoms of seasonal allergies. Get your calls ready and call 1-877-MPB-RING, 877-672-7464. Or if you'd prefer, send an email to women at mpbonline.org. We're going to start the show right after news from NPR, so stay with us here on MPB Think Radio. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. Former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn says he is prepared to testify before both the House and Senate committees investigating Russian interference in the elections. But as NPR's Mary Louise Kelly notes... Flynn is reported saying that he won't do it unless he's protected against prosecution. Mike Flynn was fired as Trump's first national security advisor for misrepresenting conversations with Russia's ambassador to Washington. Flynn's testimony would be among the highest profile in the Russia investigations underway at the FBI and on Capitol Hill. The Wall Street Journal reports that Flynn has offered to testify if offered immunity from prosecution. A spokesman for the House Intelligence Committee tells NPR that's not the case that Flynn has not volunteered to speak in exchange for immunity. In a statement, Flynn's lawyer, Rob Kellner, says, quote, General Flynn certainly has a story to tell, and he very much wants to tell it, should the circumstances permit. Mary Louise Kelly, NPR News, Washington. The Trump administration is defending the work of federal immigration agents. NPR's Carrie Johnson reports authorities are responding to criticism from a California judge. The Attorney General and Homeland Security Secretary took issue with a characterization that U.S. immigration agents are stalking undocumented people in courthouses. Jeff Sessions and John Kelly wrote a letter this week to the chief judge of the California Supreme Court. The federal officials say immigration agents only act with probable cause. They say arresting people in courthouses for violating immigration law is safer for law enforcement in the public because people at court already undergo security screening. The letter continues a clash between the Trump administration, which has made tightening immigration enforcement a high priority, and with many states and cities who favor enforcement only against immigrants who have a record of violent or serious crime. Carrie Johnson, NPR News, Washington. Senate Democratic Leader Chuck Schumer is urging Republicans against changing Senate rules to confirm President Trump's Supreme Court nominee. Schumer is attempting to rally enough votes to block the nomination of Neil Gorsuch. Israel's security cabinet supporting the first new Israeli settlement in the West Bank in over two decades. NPR's Daniel Estrin has more. The Israeli prime minister announced that his security cabinet has voted unanimously to build a new settlement in the heart of the West Bank. An anti-settlement watchdog group, Peace Now, says it will be Israel's first new settlement since 1992. Netanyahu's office also announced that Israel has declared more than 200 acres of West Bank land as state land, which can be used for settlement purposes. President Trump has asked Israel to hold back on settlement building a little bit in the West Bank, where Palestinians want to build a state. Israel and the U.S. are still trying to come to an agreement on Israeli settlement policy. Daniel Estrin, NPR News, Tel Aviv. You're listening to NPR News. 
Commuters are really feeling it in parts of Atlanta. Traffic backups and delays after a major freeway overpass collapse yesterday. John Lawrence of member station WABE reports on an incident that has sent commuters scrambling to find other ways to and from work. The Georgia Department of Transportation released a statement this morning that says both north and southbound bridges of I-85 need to be replaced after a major fire broke out yesterday. The fire left clouds of smoke throughout the area and caused part of the roadway to collapse. John Sell with the Atlanta Police Department says detours are in place. We're focusing right now on the traffic plan and moving motorists around the city. We would ask motorists to slow down, pay attention attention to the traffic signals, but if you have police officers in the intersection, pay attention to the police officers. Governor Nathan Deal declared a state of emergency yesterday. No word on what caused the fire or how long repair work will take. For NPR News, I'm John Lawrence in Atlanta. North Carolina has repealed part of a law under which transgender people are only allowed to use public bathrooms and locker rooms that correspond to the sex on their birth certificates, not their gender identity. But it is uncertain if this will be enough to lure back businesses and organizations that boycotted the state over anti-LGBT legislation. The American Civil Liberties Union says North Carolina's latest action is no better. At last check on Wall Street, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is down 32 points at 20,696. S&P was off a fraction at 2367. And the Nasdaq was up seven points at 5921. I'm Lakshmi Singh, NPR News. In Washington. Support for NPR comes from the financial services firm of Raymond James, offering personalized wealth management advice and banking and capital markets expertise, along with a legacy of putting clients' financial well being first. Learn more at RaymondJames.com. This is Southern Remedy for Women with Dr. Michelle Owens on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, women at mpbonline.org. And now, Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. morning and thanks for listening to Southern Remedy for Women. I'm Karen Brown here with Dr. Michelle Owens, maternal fetal medicine uh, specialist in maternal fetal medicine and, and OBGYN at UMMC. I was doing it from memory, see? And surgical pathologist Dr. Allie Brown. Today is the show. If you sneeze and cough and sneeze and wheeze and, and your eyes are burning, itchy. And are you allergic to tree pollen or grass pollen or what kind of tree pollen or is it mold? Birch pine. It's birch pine. All right. Well, we're going to find out what everyone's allergies are or at least how to treat them, what to do to make yourself feel better with our special guest, <laughs> Dr. Lindsay McMullen. Sorry about that. She's from UNMC. She's building up the, she's building yeah, that up was really the, exciting. It, it was, was a dramatic pause. It was Dr. a dramatic Lindsay pause. Lindsay McMullen. She's an allergist and an immunologist, and we're going to get the goods on what to do when we're allergic and feel horrible about it, which includes three of us at this table, right? (laughs) All right, we take your questions. Happy to take your questions at 877-MPB-RING, 877-672-7464, or send an email to women at mpbonline.org. Welcome, Dr. McMullen. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Tell us a little about yourself. Well, I was born and raised in Jackson and did my undergrad at Ole Miss. My 
medical school at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, where I stayed for internal medicine residency. And then I went up to St. Louis, Missouri, to Washington University School of Medicine for my allergy and immunology fellowship and have been back at UMC on staff ever since I finished. So you're a homegirl. I am. Yeah. Where'd you go? Great okay, place. where'd you go to high school? Jackson Academy. Okay. Go Raiders. All right. Go Raiders. All right. Nice. And, and Dr. Owens and Dr. Brown, good morning tonight. to you as well. Good morning, well, Karen. Hello. It's nice to see you. You it, too. Wait, Brown oh, comes so itching. early. No, I was just moving. Um, so I do have allergies. And I, I was telling Dr. McMullen off air this morning, I forgot to take my allergy pill. I, took, I just came to work and forgot. And right away, my throat started closing up. I mean, I have bad allergies. I have a prescription um, that I take, and which does everything. But thankfully, Liz Gill, fellow employee, colleague, brought in two bottles to choose from. One was Benadryl, which makes me so tired, I'll just pass out. She'd have been sleepy right now. And the other was the generic version of Zyrtec, Ah. which did the trick. Yes. I feel I feel so much better. Yeah. Excellent. You sound very clear. Your nasal passages <clears throat> seem very open. Your it's speaking a, voice it's it remains right. It's important with her job, right, to Absolutely. have a throat that can yes. remain open. And for most yes. of us, actually, yes. to have a patent throat. Yeah, yeah. Clearing my throat all the time. That's one of the symptoms. What, tell us what's going on. Why do we have these symptoms when we have an allergy? So when you have an allergy, the things such as pollens, that's what's in the air now, or dust, mold, those sorts of things, they get into your nasal passages and set off an allergic response, which makes you drain and mucousy and itchy and sneezy. And when it starts in your nose, everything drains downhill. So it'll run down the back of your throat and make it sore and irritated and you clear your throat. Sometimes it'll be really itchy and tight. And so... If you can't remove the exposure, we try to give you some medicines to help keep those mucousy things from happening and make you feel better. So it's about the just sometimes if you can't stay away from the thing that gives you that gives you that reaction. So, for example, those people who are allergic to pollen. Right. Because um, we all know, I'm sure we all know people who have allergies to pets, right? Pet yes. dander. So you yes. stay away from the pets. That's something that's a little bit easier to control. Unless you but, love your pet. But well, if you, well, you just don't get a pet if you have a pet allergy sometimes. Or you might get a pet, say, for example, that doesn't shed so that you minimize, I guess, those kinds Minute, of things. Well, and that's a good point because hypoallergenic pets may shed less, but they, are, they do still make allergens. So it is important to know those sorts of things. Yeah. But you can own a pet. Aren't there medications you can take and still own a pet? There are, and it depends on how severely allergic you are to the pet. There are a few people who are so severely allergic that they truly do better not to own a pet. But other people, if they keep the pet, for instance, out of their bedroom, regularly groomed and bathed, potentially outdoors, those sorts of things. My cat sleeps on my head. <laughs> well, that might be why face. your throat is closed. <laughs> that could be it. <laughs> on my head. Yeah, that 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 is usually if you if you're allergic to your cat, that would probably that would be bad. Thankfully, I'm not. That would be bad. That's not. Um, uh, Allergic reactions to pollen. Does it depend on what kind of pollen? It does. Um, So the pollens that traditionally cause the allergic symptoms are the little bitty pollens that we find in things like trees and weeds. And the wind blows them and they go far. The pretty flowers, you know, that we love to smell and things like that, those pollens, thankfully, are so heavy that they don't usually blow around. And so much less frequently are the cause of the trouble. What about the yellow stuff? The yellow stuff, that's what I was about to get to. So that's the oak pollen. When we have, when you look up at the, when we start to see the yellow Mm -hmm. stuff, you see all those little dangly things from the oak trees. Mm -hmm. And that is 
when they pollinate. And so for usually it's just for a few days. This this year it was for a couple of weeks, and it came out about a month early. Um, but the so oak, that, the oak that's pollen, big enough to cause you troubles. Oh yes, the oak <laughs> pollen is one of our most important allergens around here. And grass pollen too, isn't that yes, something? Yes, grass pollen. So the the tree pollens tend to come out a little bit earlier than the grass pollen. The grass pollen tradition in a traditional year around here comes out mm, Mayish, early June, that sort of but thing. But every time you mow the lawn, does that release more pollen? In the early summer, it does. As the summer goes on, actually, every time you mow the lawn, you get aerosolized mold spores. Oh, boom! So a lot That's of boom. so for a lot of our patients. Um, that have problems every time the grass is mowed and then are surprised by a negative grass allergy test, they may actually have a mold allergy. Hmm. So it's hard to tell. Sometimes it is the grass pollen, but sometimes it's the mold. So it's interesting. That is interesting. And after it rains, does that release mold? It can, yes. After it rains, because mold likes that humidity, but it can release mold and they're actually... Well, good thing it's not humid here. I know. Good thing rain. <laughs> rain. But rain is good if you're a pollen, a oak pollen person, right? Because it kind of, after a rain, you kind of get that. It can. While it rains, though, there are some things, for instance, thunderstorm asthma. Um, it can break apart pollen globs. The rain can. Hmm. And so there are... There have been some reports of life-threatening, for instance, asthma attacks after a thunderstorm Interesting. because wow. of the pollen breaking apart. So you're bringing wow. up something important, the a relationship between asthma and allergies. Yes. Allergists are also asthma specialists, and the two go hand-in-hand hand very frequently. Many people with asthma have allergic asthma. Or let me, let me interrupt to allergy. give the phone number out because sure. I think bringing asthma up is, is uh-huh. going to pique some interest. 877-MPB-RING, 1-877-672-7464. Or if you'd prefer to send an email, you can to women at mpbonline.org. All right, asthma, can you have asthma and, and not be allergic to yes. pollens? There are... There are a lot of different types of asthma, and only one of those is allergic, but it's one of the more common ones. We see that very frequently. So, yes, you can have asthma and not be allergic to pollen, but many people with allergies do have pollen allergies and have asthma. Hmm. Um, What are the inhalers called? Um, There are lots of inhalers. Okay. Well, can you use an inhaler if you have allergic reactions or is it never that severe that you would need to? It depends. If the inhalers are for your lungs. So if you have lung symptoms or asthma symptoms when you have your alert, when you're exposed to your allergy, then an inhaler might help. But if it's just the nose stuff, then usually the inhalers are not, not going to help you very much. But the pills and the nose sprays and those sorts of things will help. Are you allergic symptoms. to anything? Yes. I'm very allergic to mold and dust mites, my dog. Doctor, heal myself. <laughs> See, you have pets and you're not willing to give them up. You're willing to be a little bit I miserable. I suffer a little bit, yes. All right, we're going to take our first break of the hour. And again, if you'd like to give us a call with a question or a comment about what you might be allergic to or what you what you wonder what to do about it, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring 877-672-7464, or send an email to women at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back to talk about allergy season on Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio.
have a vehicle that you no longer need and is collecting dust, we have a solution. Donate it to MPB. Your donation will go towards supporting your favorite programs that keep the community informed. To get more information about our car donation program, call us at 877-MPB-4-CAR or visit mpbonline.org slash support. Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and a state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. News you can trust in radio built around you. Mississippi Public Broadcasting. This is Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, women at mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Southern Remedy for Women. I'm Karen Brown here with Dr. Michelle Owens and Dr. Allie Brown and our special guest, Dr. Lindsay McMullen. She is an allergist, and we're talking about allergies today. Is that correct to call you an allergist? Yes, that's right. absolutely correct. Allergist and immunologist, Allergist correct? and immunologist, We yes. have a call already, so we're going to go right to the phones and say hi to Michelle calling from Starkville. Hi, Michelle. Michelle, can you hear me? Yes. Go ahead. Um, my question is, um, I'm allergic to cats. They call it asthma attacks. And um, I used to hear when I was a kid about these desensitizing shots. Do those things actually work? Yes, they can. So desensitizing shots or allergy shots are what we give to our patients who have things like cat allergy or dog allergy, pollen allergy. And over time, we are trying to hopefully make you to where you're either not as allergic or potentially not allergic at all to the thing that was causing you problems. Okay, so it would be worth a shot. It, potentially so. Oh, that was so good. That yeah. was excellent. Michelle, that was so punny. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> if you're interested in allergy shots and whether or not they would be a good choice for you, then certainly, you know, you can go see an allergist, a board-certified allergist, and they are more than happy to talk with you about what's been going on and causing you trouble. And about it's a, it's a pretty in-depth process to go through a course of the shots, but, um, but it, maybe you would be a, a good candidate for that. Okay. And would that also work for pollen? Yes. Yes, they will. Oh, that's wonderful. All right. Thank you so much. You're Terrific. welcome. Thanks for calling, Michelle. So, Lindsay, Bye-bye. I have a question about that. So, you hear about people getting um, allergy shots. Yes. So, and are all allergy shots like that to where it won't cause you immediate relief, but it's something that could gradually help you with your allergy symptoms? Yes. I like to think of allergy shots as a long-term investment okay. into your allergy future. The... We have we know about what is an effective dose to work on your immune system, mm-hmm. but the problem, if you think about it, we're injecting stuff into you that you are allergic to. And so if we just went ahead and gave you that dose, we could cause a really severe allergic reaction. Um, so what we do is we start very, very low and go slow as a safety mechanism. So it takes a while to get to the dose that will do what it's supposed to do. So you would have your patients take a daily allergy medicine in addition to that. People don't usually just get allergy shots and that's it. Exactly. A lot of times we start people on a medicine regimen so that they will feel better while we are working 
on their allergies long term. And that kind of reminds me of, um, so we have patients sometimes um, in in the pregnant realm, because hello, when you're pregnant, like life doesn't stop happening. And if you are a person who suffered from allergies as a non-pregnant person, um, you will usually continue to experience those symptoms um, when you're pregnant. And so there are some instances, say, for example, there's a treatment that a patient may need that will require penicillin and they have a a penicillin allergy. And there's one particular, um, one particular issue, syphilis. And if the person actually has syphilis, the only treatment for syphilis is the pen, is penicillin. Yes. And so for, why did you look at me just now when you said syphilis? You pointed at me. See there? That's that that's you. I didn't do that. I was I was actually just looking Don't around take it the room. Personally. I know. So the so with syphilis we um we actually bring women in who have a penicillin allergy and they go through this desensitization process. Yes. And that's exactly what we do is kind of just mm-hmm. start really low and give them increasing right. exposures in an effort to what we call sensitize them so that they then can get the treatment that they need to have that treated right. during pregnancy. And it's a it's sort of a similar concept in a different type mm-hmm. of procedure because um that one, it, it is done in very specific type of penicillin allergy. Right. But over a few hours, mm-hmm. we can hopefully allow a patient to take penicillin only for the time that they need it. It's different from the allergy shots in that it does not actually change their allergy profile. Exactly. It just allows them to safely take the medicine for the course of time needed mm-hmm. to treat that syphilis, and then they would be considered allergic to it again. It used to be a long time ago to determine what someone was allergic to. They put shots into your arm of that particular or different allergens and then watch to see if it would swell. Do you you still do that? That's what, yes. And the testing, what we do is we put a little bit of allergen on your arm or your back and watch to see if it swells like a mosquito bite. And that helps us know if you make allergy to that thing like the oak pollen. And then based on the things causing you trouble and your testing and all that, we mix it up in a shot and we give it to you in your arm. And that is what we would call an allergy shot, that long process that we that we do to try and help you with your allergies. What about outgrowing allergies? You know how little kids can be allergic to Or developing new ones later, right? Yeah, yeah. Say, they come and go. You can grow into them or you can, <laughs> you can grow out of them. Exactly. <laughs> you can grow out of them and then they come back. So, wow. what, what causes that? Why would you be allergic and then not be allergic? So some of it has to depend. So it's all based on your personal immune system and your environment and your exposures. You know, everybody's a little bit different. It may have more to do with your exposures. For instance, if you move to a different part of the country where they have different trees, you you may not notice symptoms simply because you're not around that. Um, sometimes you just, because you're not, a, you know, you just lose your allergy a little bit over time. Um, and then other people, their system just develops allergies over time. Okay. I've heard of people who like worked in a lab and started off okay, but then they developed an allergy to like the rats they were working on or formalin, like in yes. pathology, chemical allergy. Why did you look at me when you said allergy to the rats they were working with in the lab? I did that. Do I, I have to separate you two? <laughs> because you look soft and cute. No, but seriously. So, but that's a you very, like cheese? I think that's a good question. And that's part of the, so this is totally 
This is information that I got, not from my medical training, but information that I got as part of the requirement to work in the laboratory and do research. Um, part of the, in order to work with animals, we have to go through a, a training and educational process. And one of the things that I learned was that um, the urine from rats or mice yes. can, is considered highly allergenic. It's highly allergenic, yes. And that... One of the things that, interestingly enough, I noticed, because I actually did some research using um, using rats during the time that I was in training, is that when I started, aside from just being totally terrified of them and wanting to be in another room, um, over time, as I became more um, involved with that research work and did more with the animals, I also noticed that I would have to self-medicate with a Claritin or a Zyrtec before I came in the lab because after I came out in the lab I was like my eyes were really watery I sneezed uncontrollably and it was really just and I never had any of those symptoms that were life-threatening or concerning but I could tell the difference and on my lab days in order for me to really be there to complete the work that we were doing I would have to take something to keep those symptoms under control. Yes. So it, I did. I yep. developed. You developed the allergy. Yeah, absolutely. And with allergies, we do know you you have to be exposed to it before you develop the allergy. So it usually, for instance, pollen allergies. It usually takes two or three pollen seasons around mm-hmm. the pollen to develop the allergy. So that's one of the reasons we don't tend to see pollen allergies in the in babies. Mm-hmm. Is they just haven't necessarily quite had enough exposure. Or when you move to a different part of the country, it may take a couple of years before you notice new allergy symptoms. So if you've never worked with rats before, when you first start working with them, you may be fine, but may develop those allergies later. And I think that's something that um, a lot of people, I, I've heard that question quite frequently and people don't understand. They'll say, well, you know, how how did I develop this? I've been around such and such for all this time. Or, you know, when I first moved to Mississippi, I didn't have problems. And then after a couple of years, I got really bad hay fever symptoms. And now every spring I am going nuts. And it's it's for that very reason. These are things things very often that are acquired. And so in or, this is about how your immune system, the thing that our bodies have to fight off, you know, things that are not us and to keep us safe from infections and those kinds of things. It's that same system of immunity that's at work, but it's responding to these things that are foreign to our bodies. And it does take the time for it to kind of the body has to read and kind of process the information and it takes a series of exposures sometimes it's not the first time that's the problem but it's the times that come after that (laughs) that end up being the problem exactly kelly is calling in from the gulf coast hi kelly hi good morning how are y'all we're great what's your question um i've never had issues with allergies until i had my daughter almost four years ago and since then everything irritates me um mainly oak and grass pollen it seems to be you are not alone (laughs) i wonder if there's just a correlation because you know you're raising a toddler your immune system is low etc there is we definitely see many women who after one of their pregnancies will then have allergic symptoms and it may be due to some of those hormonal changes that you undergo while you're you know, while you're pregnant and it just sort of your immune system has just changed a little bit. Um, yeah, because so Kelly, I did, I did the same exact thing. Oh, my goodness. So first pregnancy, piece of cake. It was great. 
And then when I was pregnant with my twins, I had these two little patches of eczema that came up on my arm. And for the first 20 weeks of my pregnancy, I had to I was on nasal spray and daily um, medication for allergies. And I could not understand. I would get just the itching and rashes that just would come up out of nowhere, the hives and the whole nine out of nowhere. Um, It was controlled with the medicines. I got halfway through my pregnancy and it went away. But then the two little people that I gave birth to um, after about a year, they they have the little watery eyes. They sneeze all the time. And they're little, they both are very little allergy magnets. And so they are very allergic. And since that time, I feel like I'm much more sensitive to the environment, environmental allergens than I ever was before. So it wasn't just the rat urine. I mean, I also did the exact same thing and I noticed it not after my first pregnancy, but it definitely kicked up a notch after that second one. Kelly, did you have symptoms during the pregnancy or just after? None. It was just, it was all after. Let me tell you, you dodged a bullet on that one because I was in sheer misery for the first like 20 weeks. Um, But I do, I totally understand what you're saying. And I've noticed that there are some patients that I see who, um, who will struggle with allergies or have symptoms of allergies and they'd not had them previously and they have it during pregnancy. And pregnancy is slightly an immunocompromised state because if you think about it, babies are only half us, right? The other half is their dad. So we have to be somewhat immunocompromised. We have to kind of dampen our immune system a little bit in order for that little person to grow inside of us without our bodies trying to attack it. So um, just how that how quickly you come back to your normal after that, um, there's not a whole lot of information. I think it's very different for each and every individual. And so I just hope that you um, you get a chance to kind of continue to go back to normal. But I can tell you I'm suffering right along with you, dear. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's great information i really appreciate it great thank you for calling kelly thanks so much okay, bye-bye. um i want to ask you a question dr owen you mentioned before that while you're pregnant you're still a person or something like that and i i was always told or i have friends who had chronic conditions and that those conditions improved while they were pregnant like one had arthritis pretty badly mm-hmm. and the arthritis literally went away while she was pregnant is that because the body is focusing on taking care of this growing baby inside of you well so i don't know that it's about that but what it is i think more than anything is just that there are adjustments that are made in our bodies and some of those are hormonally driven so we get these surges of hormones and so some of those have an effect on our overall bodies for example some women who have hypertension or high blood pressure will see as a normal response to pregnancy, it's normal for blood pressures to drop a little bit. So even in the non-pregnant state, we see that happen. But for women who have mildly elevated blood pressures, a lot of those women will see their blood pressures drop during the first two-thirds of pregnancy and then toward the latter part of pregnancy, it starts to go back toward what it was in the non-pregnant state. So there are several different conditions. Um, and like with asthma, we yes. talk about there are some people who get asthma and they are horrible asthmatics before and i say about a third of them get better about a third of them stay the same and about a third of them get worse after the pregnancy or this during, is during, during the pregnancy. pregnancy and the the problem is that we can't predict 
Right. Two of the ones are that are going to be the third that gets better, the third that stays the same, and the third that gets worse. Um, but there are many different uh, chronic illnesses that do get slightly better or are better to be controlled or more easily controlled during pregnancy. That being said, there aren't a lot of um, a lot of chronic illnesses that always get worse during pregnancy, but we are always heightened about people with chronic conditions to make sure that they don't get acutely worse. One that I will say usually gets worse during pregnancy is diabetes. And that's just because the placenta or the afterbirth produces a hormone that kind of messes around with your blood glucose. So it changes the sugar levels in your blood. And by doing that, it makes diabetes a a little or a lot harder to control during pregnancy. But um, for most of the others, it's kind of a coin toss. Some will get better, some will get worse, and then some just kind of ride it out and stay the same. We need to but, take our... Oh, go, no, go ahead, go on. I was going to say, it is important, though, to talk to, with your doctor about those chronic conditions because we do know, for instance, in asthma, asthma control is very important during pregnancy for your baby, for you and your baby. So just because you're pregnant does not mean these diseases can't be treated or taken care of. Good point. We're taking a break and we invite your phone calls if you have questions about allergies or symptoms you think you might have allergies or what you're taking for your allergies, what you're doing, give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. 1-877-672-7464 or send an email to women at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back here on MPB Think Radio. From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by the generous support from you, our listeners. For the last two years, NPR has followed the journey of one Syrian refugee who risked his life fleeing on raft, by foot, and by train, eventually making his way to Germany. Recently, he got some life-changing good news. I feel my heart will go out of my chest. (laughs) I'm Ari Shapiro. The latest chapter in One Refugee's Journey, this afternoon on All Things Considered, from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, women at mpbonline.org. Welcome. 
Welcome back to Southern Remedy for Women. We're talking about allergies today with our special guest, Dr. Lindsay McMullen. She's an allergist and immunologist from UMMC. And, of course, Dr. Michelle Owens is here and Dr. Allie Brown is here. And we have some callers waiting. Laura, good morning. Tell me where you're from. Good morning. Um, I'm actually driving through Marcel right now. Marcel. Okay. We Um, didn't know how to pronounce it. Whether it was Marseille, Marcel, Marseille. Like, are you in France? (laughs) (laughs) Calling from France. Go ahead, Laura. Okay. So um, I had significant, um, I guess, symptoms of allergies. And I visited an, um, an allergist who did a ton of tests on me only to diagnose me with a, the actual diagnosis is a violent, non-allergic reaction to toxic substances or foreign substances. Well, I and think I would have that too. No, just kidding. Go on. I beg your pardon? <laughs> a violent reaction to something toxic. Yeah, that sounds really concerning. Yeah. Um, so I, antihistamines don't actually develop when I have these reactions, but I have um, a like, for example, when the mosquito sprayer comes around, I have an anaphylactic reaction to whatever chemicals they're mm-hmm. using. Or um, sometimes, uh, like certain cleaners, certain fragrances, my skin, I will get hives and rashes, itching, watery eyes, the whole nine yards. Um, in the springtime, when certain flowers develop, I get the typical hay fever symptoms, but antihistamines don't necessarily work. The one notable exception would be uh, diphenhydramine. So what causes that? Um, mostly I treat it by avoidance. <laughs> yes, and with, with a lot of allergies, you know, and allergy symptoms, even if we can't pick up the allergy in your skin, um, avoidance, there's another boom, um, avoidance is, is one of the main keys. You can also have irritant responses, for instance, like to perfumes and some, and it's, it feels the same to you, but it is a different, it works differently with your immune system, which means we pick it up differently and the skin test won't pick up things like that. You can also have topical allergies, you know, when the things contact your skin and cause trouble. Mm-hmm. So is there something that one can use? to um, lessen the symptoms for the don't work? Yeah, that's a great question. So for the nasal symptoms, you know, the runny nose and that sort of stuff, a lot of times the nose sprays will be helpful even if the antihistamines are not. So those are the steroid nose sprays? The steroid nose sprays, the antihistamine nose sprays. Um, Now there are several steroid nose sprays over the counter, Mm -hmm. you know, that you can try. Um, for the skin symptoms, you know, if you're breaking out in hives, even sometimes if those, if you don't have like an allergy skin test, sometimes antihistamines will help. Sometimes they won't. You know, once your skin is pretty aggravated, sometimes it just needs some time to cool down. Uh-huh. Um, okay. But if you're, you know, certainly if you're still having significant trouble despite avoidance, you know, that may, those may be some good questions just for your allergist. Are there any other things that you can try to to see if you can help. Laura, it sounds like you have some real challenges. Thank you so much for calling. We hope you feel better and you're not exposed to those things. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you very much. Y'all have a good day. You too. Take care. Staying on the phones, we say good morning to Alan calling in from Mobile. Go ahead, Alan. Good morning. I have a question. A friend and I have gone to one of the local casinos in Biloxi for a few years. Um, and, you know, we were going about once a month having a good time. Uh, a few months ago, one of the casinos replaced all of their carpeting. 
And since then, my friend who has a immunocompromised issue um, has been getting sick for four, five, six days, six days afterwards. Could this be um, off-gassing from the carpeting from the VOCs? And how long should this take? It's hard to say, you know, without knowing everything that's going on. Usually, you know, things that would come out of a new carpet, I would I would think would be gone reasonably quickly. Um, but, you know, if, if they can, you know, if, if they're continuing to get sick for several days afterwards, um, it might be worth a medical evaluation just to see if there is something else going on. Okay. All Especially right. if he's immuno, you said he's immunocompromised. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is he being followed? You know, it just concerns me that you, then you said that, that he might need to be followed more closely. Okay, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. You're welcome. Let's talk about drugs. (laughs) Let's talk about remedies because there are a number of over-the-counter drugs that can help with allergy symptoms. Talk about the brand name and the generic name because I know there's a big difference in price. There is a big difference in price. And for many of, for instance, our allergy pills or antihistamines, um, so some of the common brand names over-the-counter are things like Zyrtec or Allegra. And in those cases, most of the time, the generic equivalents are sufficient. And so we will encourage our patients to get the generic equivalent because it's more affordable. Um, so, for instance, Zyrtec is cetirizine. Allegra is fexafenidine. But I say always that tell... Say times fast. Yeah. Easy for you to say. <laughs> well, um, one of the things I always tell my patients is that if they're having trouble finding the generic equivalent, the pharmacist can usually help them figure out exactly and a lot of times one. it says on the box compared to and then it'll have yes. the name yeah. of the whenever some something says compared to you do want to actually do your own comparison and, and make labels. sure yes look at the labels make sure the active ingredients are mm-hmm. what they are supposed to be and and in the same percentages because that's yes. kind of how you can determine if they really are you know, equivalent. Right. You know, because um, that you can see sometimes slight variations in either A, what the active ingredient is, or B, the percentage of the active ingredient that's included that actually makes that particular drug the drug that works the way it works. Right. Claritin is another one. Claritin is another which one. Which is loratadine. Mm-hmm. Are those the three big non-drowsy formulas? Yes, they they are much less sedating and less drowsy than things like Benadryl or diphenhydramine. How do you know which one to take? Well, it, a lot of it depends on you. I, I have some people where any of them will work. I have other people where one will work and the other will not. Um, so it really kind of depends on and you. And Dr. Brown, what did you say? Something put you to sleep that shouldn't? <laughs> Zyrtec and Allegro will make me very tired, yes. yeah. Pretty so, much only Claritin. I was going to say, of the three, works. Claritin is tends to be not quite as strong as the other two, mm-hmm. so that may be why it's less sedating. Allegra generally is not very sedating, although some people will get a little sleepy with it. Zyrtec, a lot of people can take it without being sleepy, but it, it does cause sleepiness a little bit more frequently than the other two. And now there's a new one, Xyol, which I take in prescription yes, form, but it's over the... It has just gone over the counter within the last two weeks. Really? Is that yes. similar? I mean, it, it works is, for me. The other ones I've tried, and that one works best for me. Yes, it is the most similar to Zyrtec. They took Zyrtec and did some chemical changes to it and came up with Zizol. Let me get the phone number out again if you'd like to give us a call. 877-MPB-RING. 
That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can also send an email to women at mpbonline.org. Yeah, Zyrtec, um, I can take a Zyrtec and run a marathon, but Benadryl will make me very sleepy. Like yes. it, it, it universally, it does not matter how small the dose, Benadryl will uh, to be yes. intubated. There it, are it other antihistamines, out. yeah, like the Benadryl, Atarax is another mm-hmm. one that have much more, they are much more drowsy antihistamines. How do you know which one to take? Do, should you try each one of them out? Or just if one works for you, as I was say, if you're, if you're taking one of them and it's working well for you, there's not a great reason to try and switch mm-hmm. it. But if you try one and it does not work well for you, you could consider trying one of the others. So, Dr. Marilyn, how how would our um, listening audience know? Because it seems like almost all of us have some exposure that kind of might make us a little, you know, runny or sneezy at, at some point in time. When does when is this something that needs to be brought to the attention of an allergist, an immunologist? When do we need to talk to our primary care doctor and talk about coming to see somebody like you? Right. My thought, if it if it is bothering you and you are not able to treat it with what you have tried, then absolutely bring it to the attention of one of your doctors. Um, if you have asthma and anything is causing you trouble to breathe, it need, we need to so difficulty to take care breathing. Of it. Difficulty is, is breathing. Red, that's a red flag. That's sign, a red like flag. Immediate. Yes. Throat if swelling. Throat swelling. Immediate. If your throat is swelling, you probably need, you do need to go to the emergency room. Hives. Can you get um, hives from um, you seasonal can, allergies? From pollen and things like that, you can. It tends. We tend to see, for instance, hives to grass pollen more often in like the little kids who are rolling in the grass. Um, or to a pet. So a lot of times hives will have a different cause, but not always. All right, not we're going to go to our phone. We have a phone call from Julie calling from Columbus. Julie, go ahead. Hey, uh, doctors, I'm a new diabetic, so I've been looking at labels a lot more. I've noticed the ones that have zero sugar in them sometimes list a percentage of sugar alcohol. How does that affect sugar levels in you? So the question is just... What it what the effect of having sugar alcohol does to blood sugars? Yes. Um, yes. If I try to eat no sugar, but it has say six six percent sugar alcohol or six grams, I don't remember how they list it. Is that the same as sugar? So so sugar alcohol is not so it's it's not sugar in its purest form, but it is a type. So sugar alcohols are kind of things like. Sorbitol, mannitol, one that's commonly seen in um, in other food products is uh, xylitol. And so those are primarily derivatives from plant products. Um, so they are, it's still like um, carbohydrates, but they are altered. So it kind of gives you what is more like a sugar substitute. So what happens okay. is when you think about so regular sugar that you and I think about is sucrose, right? That's that's the normal like table sugar, the domino sugar, whatever kind of sugar that you buy in the store. It's sucrose. Um, yeah. They they will they still will increase your blood glucose levels, but they will do so to a lesser extent because of the way that they have been altered. So they are not as well absorbed. Because when I said mannitol, Dr. Dr. Brown's like ears perked up because that's kind <laughs> of it's 
so mannitol is a very potent one of the ways that we learned about it in medical school is it could be a very potent um, laxative. Like it helps to move things through the gut. And so can all those oh. foods that have sugar alcohols in them. Don't exactly. eat too much of them. <laughs> so Don't eat kind of, too much. That's really kind of one of those reasons. It's almost like how those special kinds of fats that get altered in the uh, in the potato chips that don't the that, wow chips they don't yes. they don't exist anymore those wow chips they Olestra. Had that, uh, exactly that the fat not fat that actually kind of worked on your gi track so, I, I have to interject this on the label it actually said may cause anal leakage right so so julie while the the sugar alcohol doesn't cause anal leakage it will have some degree that the sugars that have been altered to create those sugar alcohols do have a side effect of kind of moving things through the gut a little faster because they're not absorbed very well. And so as a result, they do kind of have something like a laxative effect. So it will increase your blood glucose, but not to the same extent. Again, and the byproduct of that or one of the side effects is commonly GI distress or discomfort. Julie, thank you so much for your phone call. I hope that was helpful. We need to take our last break of the show, and let me leave you with this. Would you ever eat potato chips (laughs) on the label that said may cause anal leakage? It was a bummer for their marketing department, (laughs) I'll tell you that. (laughs) If you have have a question, and not about that, please, call 877-MPB-RING, 1-877-672-7464. Call now if you want to call in, because we're getting into the last 10 minutes of the show. We'll be right back. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. We are more than halfway to receiving the 300 applications needed to get an MPB car tag. MPB needs less than 130 more people to sign up. We know you can help make this happen. All it takes is a one-year commitment of $31. This is another way you can help MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. Sign up at mpbonline.org slash cartag. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, women at mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Southern Remedy for Women. We're talking about allergies today. And before we get to our next phone call, Dr. Brown has an event that she wants to share with us. An important I do. Event. I want to plug UMMC is having a free oral cancer screening event. It is next Wednesday, April 5th 
from 8.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. at the Jackson Medical Mall. So our head and neck cancer specialists will be on hand to do free oral cancer screening. It's a painless, easy screening. They are very thorough about checking your mouth and all the oral cavity. It takes about 10 minutes. So anyone that has any risk factors, those are alcohol, smoking, sun exposure even. I don't know if you sun the inside your mouth or not. And HPV. We are, and I did look at you when I said that because you're a gynecologist. Okay. It's ubiquitous. So uh, pretty much everyone then has a risk factor for yeah, it if absolutely. you walk outside and stuff like that. So um, please, uh, it's next Wednesday again, April 5th, 8.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. at the Jackson Medical Mall. You may have remembered um, Dr. Lana Jackson, who's been a guest on the show a couple yes. of times, and she's talked about head and neck cancers. And um, so we really wanted to promote this opportunity. We always talk about early detection and screening. If you're a person who has a sore in your mouth that has not healed or if you've noticed a new mass or if you just want somebody to check you out because they never have, please do. And don't let your fear keep you from being um, able to take advantage of this wonderful opportunity. It's totally free. And um Early diagnosis for cancer is always the key. So don't let fear keep you at home. Come out, get the information, and then get in touch with the people who can help you do something about it. That's great. All right, Erin, calling in from Grenada. You have a question about eczema? Yes. Well, I just wanted to to first say I really love your show. I listen to it when I'm driving home from university. So thank you for um, having this program awesome and, thank you so much and, for listening all righty and and about and, and with my question i have nuclear eczema on on my hands and i was just wondering if there was like um what the causes for eczema were that's a great question okay. so there's there are again different causes for eczema some people it is atopic eczema, which means allergies, so like dust mites and things like that. Um, but when your skin gets disrupted for any reason, you can have a rash that looks like eczema. For instance, if I just sit here and scratch my arm, I will make an eczema spot. Um, the numular eczema that you're describing, it, you know, is the kind of those round spots. Okay. Some people will have contact allergies that give them spots that cause eczema and then some people have a genetic reason to have eczema so a lot of it just you know it kind of depends on what type of eczema you have and in your whole history okay thank you so much you're welcome thanks for your question so we are down to the last few minutes before we um, are going to wrap up the show. And I just want to real quickly throw something out here. Um, again, you know, I'm using this as my opportunity to get a lot of information that I can use at home as well. Um, and I have a I have a child who is allergic to uh, ant venom. Oh, and so yes. can you talk about just insect uh, insect derived or insect allergies and kind of how people need to deal with those or what options are available, how they need to be treated, et cetera? Yes, that is a great question. Thank you. So the ad, in, in the general adult population, there is about a 3% chance of having what we call a systemic reaction or full body reaction to a flying insect or to fire ants. That's it, fire um, ants. Fire ants. They are all Yes. And so, you know, tr- when you get stung by, for instance, a fire ant, you know, you get that little pus bump right there. And for flying insects, you get, you know, it's going to sting, get red, big, and hurt. 
Um, some people will get lots of swelling from it. For instance, they'll get stung on their hand and their whole arm will swell. And while that is terribly, horribly uncomfortable, it hurts, it's painful, um, it does not raise your risk of having one of those life-threatening reactions so much that you are obligated to, for instance, carry an EpiPen or something like that. Other people, though, will break out in hives all over or, for instance, have throat swelling or trouble breathing. Those people need to always carry an EpiPen in case of a sting and then talk with an allergist about whether or not they would be candidates for allergy shots to that venom. Um, that what about can, the first time? They don't know they're allergic until the first until sting. Until the first sting. And so... Um, that's a good question. And like I said, that's why there's kind of that 3% risk. Thankfully, the risk is not so great to where we just need to check everybody and test everybody. Um, but certainly, if you know, if you have a reaction like that. I mean, if you're with, yes. if a child has that reaction mm-hmm. and they don't, you know, you don't know. Yes. It, is, is there something you can do if, to help that child so immediately? Immediately, if, if this is one of the children who does have an EpiPen for any reason, you can help administer the EpiPen while 911 is being called. Anytime epinephrine is given for an allergic reaction, an ER visit is necessary. Um, to help make sure that reaction doesn't come back. If there is not an EpiPen available, then the best thing you can do is call 911 and try and get that child emergent help. Um, that is a great question. Yeah, it's kind of, it's it's actually scary. It's and my very son scary. has that, he has that delayed cutaneous reaction. And so mm-hmm. we get the, so it, the bites on the foot, but the leg swells or the bites yes. on the hand and the whole arm swells. Yes. And we have actually, we have the EpiPen, but we use yeah. it just in case he develops compartment syndrome. And that would be sure. the only reason yeah. that we thought yeah. we might need to administer but, it. But, and, you know, there's, there's a difference, I think, between an EpiPen being, indicated in the sense that I'm going to look at you and say, no, 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 I really, really, really want you to have an EpiPen versus an EpiPen just in case. And I have plenty, plenty, plenty of patients who it's just going to make them feel better to have an EpiPen just in case. And I usually don't have a problem with that. And I have some friends who have children who have multiple allergies. Mm -hmm. And what they've decided to do is to keep an EpiPen for their child that has lots of allergies in case they're with a sitter or whatever and they're being cared for. And, you know, something happens. They don't want that person to just not know what to do. We are out of time. Dr. Lindsay McMullen, thank you so much for coming. I hope you'll come back. Thank you for having me. There's a lot we can talk about with you today. I wanted to bring up neti pots, and we never even got to that. Thank goodness you saved me from the neti pots. Southern Remedy for Women is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio. It is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by generous support from the MPB Foundation. Today's show was engineered by Java Chapman, our call screener, Jason Klein. For Dr. Michelle Owens, for Dr. Allie Brown, I'm Karen Brown. Join us next Friday at 11 for Southern Remedy for Women. And stay tuned. NPR's Hearing Now is next on MPB Think Radio.